Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Murder and Misery, our true crime podcast. We are your hosts, my name is Heather, and I know absolutely nothing about true crime. And my name is Jillian, and I consider myself somewhat of a true crime expert. Yes, Jill is our resident true crime expert. And we created this podcast so that Jill could teach me about all things true crime, both locally and nationally, and to take you guys along for the journey, so that if you too know nothing about true crime, you can learn something. Or maybe hear another perspective about stories you already know. Okay, so before we begin, I want to say that this story has mention of uh, neglect and sexual abuse, so listener discretion is advised. Okay. Uh, this story takes place in South Africa on December 31st of 1975. South Africa? Mm-hmm. Wow. This is going to be a little bit, this is going to be a lot different, actually. Yeah. So. The only other one that was not in the United States was the Julia one, the makeup lady. Oh, right. Yeah. She's our only other one that was not here. Yeah. The only reason I, I picked this one, this wasn't a request. I picked it myself because I just, I heard about it and then I was like, okay, I need, like, I need to do that one. Yeah. So this one's uh, on Martin Pistorius. He was born to Rodney and Joan Pistorius. Growing up, Martin was a smart, happy, and healthy young kid. And from what everyone said, he was a delight to be around. He always had electronics on his mind, from tinkering with stuff to transistors and resistors, which I don't know what that is. Neither. I think you it's were just, saying that, and I was like, what yeah, is that? Yeah, I, I think it's just tech stuff. <laughs> but Martin was fascinated with it all. This all was until 1988. When Martin was just 12 years old, he was sent home from school with a sore throat. Things quickly worsened as he began to lose his voice and stopped eating. Doctors were unsure what was happening to poor Martin. They thought it was possibly cryptococcal meningitis or tuberculosis, yet treatment for both did nothing. Martin only got worse as he began to sleep more. He lost the ability to walk and then his ability to move his body himself. He eventually lost ability to make eye contact and finally his ability to speak altogether. Wow. Martin was in a completely vegetative state and doctors told his parents that he was as intelligent as a three-month-old and that he would never get better and that he was basically in a coma. So they sent Martin home on comfort care where... They were just supposed to keep him comfortable, as comfortable as possible, until he died. But years went by, Martin didn't die. I have had the experience, personally, that, like, if I have patients and the doctor says that they function at a one-year-old level, usually my students can do more than they do for their doctor. So... I don't know if that's pertinent to the story. You when you say you mean like you the patients like the people that they say are functioning. Yeah, like I've had students in the school where they've it's been like a five year old and that the doctor says, well, they can only function at a one year old level. Mm-hmm. Well, so then they're like, we'll make goals to get them to a two year old level, basically. Like that's kind of how it works. Not mm-hmm. exactly, but you know, you're trying to get them to the next stage. But like they at school they function at like. A four-year-old level so it's like okay <laughs> I'm not gonna make a goal for them to do two-year-old things because they can easily do three and a half year old things 
Do you so think like that they, they just act differently? They act differently towards you than the doctors? Or do you think the doctors just are like, oh, this is just how it is? I have no idea. Hmm. Um, I would like to think that they act differently with me than they do with those appointments. And the other thing is, like, nothing against doctors at all. But, like, part of my job is to make what we're doing fun and exciting. And, like, it's supposed it's supposed to be something that the kid would want to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like doctors are like, look over here. Touch your nose. Like, Boring. you're not going to want to do that. Right. So there's, like, no motivation there. So I feel like some of it is that, just because, like, who wants to do boring stuff? Nobody. Like, right. nobody wants to do that. So when you give them something that they want to do, I feel like they're more likely to do it. Or if you get them excited to do something, then they're, like, more aroused, I guess. I don't really know. But it, that it makes has, sense. I've had two different instances, like, throughout school, not not now, but throughout school I had two different instances where, like, I was like, these goals don't seem appropriate. Anyway, well, um, Martin's doctors told his parents that he was brain dead. And of course, they believed him as their child was basically lifeless. And they were right. Martin was in a coma, but only until he was about 14 or 15. This was when he awoke from his coma and was completely self-aware. The only problem is that Martin was still unable to speak, move, or anything. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. His, his parents had no idea that he was now able to hear and remember everything going on. Oh, this is... I'm already getting sick to my stomach. I know. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, every morning, Rodney, Martin's dad, would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, get Martin dressed, and then he would take him to a special needs health care center, kind of like a daycare for special needs adults. Martin would be there for eight hours a day, and his dad would pick him up, take Martin back to his home, give him a bath feed him, and then put him to bed. Martin could hear and see everything. The care center that he went to would play the TV show Barney for Martin, and they would play reruns constantly, and I guess they just didn't pay attention or didn't care because they thought that he was in a vegetative state still. Yeah, I mean, that's hard, and that is something that, like, I had discussions about at school because Barney is not appropriate for a 14-year-old. Exactly. But the doctor said... That he's functioning at a one-year-old level. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a, it's a hard place to be in because you don't know what they would be interested in. And it's kind of unfair that he had to watch something that was so childish. But on the other hand, it is unfair, not kind of unfair. Like, it's awful that he was stuck in that spot mm-hmm. watching the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And especially reruns, that sucks too. But, like, a one-year-old probably wouldn't notice, you know? Right. right. I don't know. Um, on top of that, Martin's family also excluded him from many things like vacations, even though Martin's siblings went. They also didn't realize that he could hear them, and some of the things they said to Martin were disgusting. Like his mother telling him, I hope you die. Like, just imagine oh, how that made him feel, knowing oh. he couldn't do anything and he was helpless and trapped inside his own body with no way to communicate. Yeah, that's awful. Every single part of his life was at the hands of someone else, and he couldn't decide when he wanted to eat or what he wanted to eat. 
if he wanted to sit up or if he wanted to lie down, what position he was lying in, he had literally no control over his life. Not to mention the care center that his parents took him to every day was absolutely horrific and disgusting. The people working there would pull Martin's hair to make him cry or make his eyes water. Why? Just clearly because they're evil people. I, like, okay. I mean, at first I was trying to be nice, like give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, but like, gosh. I, I've seen, and I mean, I understand this is an adult, like an adult with special needs center, but like some of the things I've heard out of Troy's nursing home, just like neglect, absolutely like. Well, neglect is one thing, but like. Abuse. Trying to make him cry, that's kind of odd. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if they were, I don't know. I don't know why you would do that other than if they were thinking maybe it would help him wake up. I I don't, I don't think so. But Just it because seems of, like they had no thoughts that he would wake up. So that's really, that's really strange. I'm kind of flabbergasted. Yeah. So and that wasn't even it. Um, they would, uh, when they would feed him, they would literally force it into his mouth, hitting his teeth with metal spoons. And then when force feeding him made him sick, the staff would scream at him and they would make him drink scolding hot teas, make him eat to the point of throwing up and they would also slap him yell at him say mean horrible things that made him feel absolutely worthless and he would also be sexually assaulted from the women at the care center who's supposed to be taking care of him that's horrible right um one of the caregivers came into martin's room touching him inappropriate inappropriately and straddling him in a sexual manner all the while he couldn't move resist or say anything martin what is wrong with people I, I'm what I'm saying and I don't I'm not trying to get sued or anything, but I have heard literal horror stories from nursing homes locally. Like locally and nationally, but like even the ones like in our county. Just some I wholeheartedly and like this is a hill I will die on, I will fight anyone. If you do not care about residents, don't work with them. I don't care how bad you need a job. I, I don't care if you just do it because you think it's easy. Like, there is, ap- like, I'm literally, like, yeah, getting goosebumps because it makes me so upset hearing, like, I have, obviously, I have a very, like, su- like a, old people tug on my heartstrings. Yeah. Like, I have a very, I don't know. I don't know. Sentimental. Special place in your heart? I have a special place in my heart for the elderly. And so... And even even people like this that because they can't stand up for themselves, mm-hmm. it just makes me sick to my stomach. So, yes, PSA: if you don't want to work with people, get a job at Walmart. You know, it's yeah, yeah. Um, I just cannot. I can't understand people. I cannot understand why you would do that to somebody. None of that makes sense to me. I obviously feel. Horrible for Martin. This story sucks so far. Sorry. I don't know where it's going to go. Obviously, he has to wake up at some point so we can hear about his experiences. But I just cannot understand why people act like that. Mm-mm. I mean, you should always be treating people with respect mm-hmm. the, to the best of your abilities. Like, I do think they're like people make mistakes, but as long as you're trying to like, be good to people and be kind. And that is your job as a caregiver. 
So these people are just, like, really making me upset. Right. Because they were clearly trying to do the opposite. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, you know, if you're working in a nursing home and, like, one of the people, like, throw a drink in your face, understand it's okay to get upset. Obviously not okay to do any of this. But, like, how, what could you possibly have a grudge against somebody who is literally in a vegetative state? He's basically in a coma. Like Yeah, I'm kind of confused about feeding because I didn't know that people who were in vegetative state could eat. I well see I just didn't it know said that. he was in a vegetative state, but it also said he had like it was like a that of like a infant. So I'm not sure if maybe at some point he progressed a little bit where he okay. was in a vegetative state and then he was able to eat, but still not talk communicate or do anything like that yeah because i was like wait what right yeah that's a that was a little bit confusing but um obviously all of this treatment made him scared and horrified to go to this care center every day but he had no way to tell his parents what happened or that he didn't want to go and this was martin's life for years Were, were martin's parents good to him from what they say but i i just have to say I'm gonna get hang on. Cause I'm gonna I have a whole I have a whole rant in a just a little Okay, continue on. I'm sorry. No, you're totally fine. Uh this was Martin's life for years until one day when Martin was twenty five in two thousand one. This was when a new worker at the care center Martin was at was talking to him and noticed a sli- a slight smile. And then he tried to indicate that he was aware by like slightly nodding and gazing. So, this is when the therapist, Verna Vanderwalt, began to realize that Martin was more aware than everyone thought. She said, quote, he had a sparkle in his eye that I could see. He was understanding me, end quote. After this, she had spoke with Martin's parents and told him that they should take him to be evaluated at the Center for Augmentative and Alternative Communications. This is where Martin was able to truly be heard for the first time in over a decade. As tests ran and confirmed that he was in fact conscious, Martin was given special equipment, like a speech computer, that he was able to use to communicate. And after he re- uh, to communicate after he regained some of his upper body strength. This changed everything for Martin. He said that if it were not for Verna, he would probably be either dead or forgotten about in a care home somewhere. Martin recalls the first time his mom asked what he wanted for supper, and he said spaghetti bolognese, and she made it for him. He said he knows that it might seem insignificant to other people, but for him, it was amazing, like a victory. No, that's not insignificant. That's huge. Right. It's, you get to make a choice in your life. For the first time in over a decade. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, It just, I'm so happy. But, um, Martin did pretty much have to relearn everything. Uh, he was able to relearn how to read and how to make his own decisions. As for a decade prior, they were all made for him. He learned how to socialize, learned how to drive, and even went to college. More about that in a minute. But after this, Martin was able to talk about what he went through all of those years. Martin said he would literally live in his imagination, sometimes to such an extent that he would become oblivious to his surroundings. Back to when his mom said she hoped he died. Now she says she is aware of what a horrible thing that was to say, but she didn't think her son was mentally there to hear, and that she meant it 
like she just wanted some sort of relief, which to an extent I understand. Um, I have been a caregiver for loved ones on hospice, so I do know that once your loved one gets to a certain point, their quality of life is going down and is no longer there because they are actively dying. Like, I get that. The thought of seeing a loved one in pain and suffering, and so you kind of just, like, hope that it happens quickly because obviously you don't want your loved one to be in pain, Mm -hmm. but I would never in a million years, no matter if I knew that they were going to be dead in the next day or the next few weeks, um, would I tell them that I hope they die? Like, I, I don't think that was okay at all, obviously, and it sounds like she realizes that now. I do know that she did a struggle, and some some of the articles said that she did try to commit suicide at one point, but failed. I also know that there's some sort of selfishness that goes along with caretaking to where you do want your life back, and you feel like your life is being hindered. Like, I know that's completely normal, but again, I don't think what she said was okay at all, and obviously it breaks my heart whether or not he was mentally there to hear it, which he ended up being. It just made my heart drop to, to know that she said it and then hear him say that he heard his mom say that. Yeah. Martin said that hearing her say this did break his heart in a way, but at the same time, as he worked through all the emotions, he felt only love and compassion for his mother. Martin said, quote, For so many years, I was like a ghost. I could hear and see everything, but it was like I wasn't there. I was invisible. He also said that he couldn't describe... How much he hates the show Barney now, which is obviously understandable. I would too. Yeah, I feel like that in itself is some sort of torture. Obviously, they didn't know, but still, like, yeah, I know that, like, you always see in movies or whatever when they're tor- torturing somebody and they, like, strap them to a chair and literally make them watch, like, the same thing over and over again until they go insane. I know that's, like, a real thing, so I can't imagine he did that every day for a decade yeah. I'm surprised that they didn't get sick of Barney over and over and over again, especially the same episodes. Like, I know a lot of kids want to watch the same show, like Bubble Guppies. Spencer liked Bubble Guppies. He liked lots of different shows. But, I mean, we would watch Bubble Guppies episodes for hours and hours and hours. And then we would watch the same episodes the next day. And it drove me crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, he loved it. Obviously, Martin didn't. But, you know, a lot of kids do fixate on one show. But I'm surprised that over all that time, they weren't like, oh, let's try something else. I gotta be honest, these don't sound like the people that are sitting there with him. It yeah, kind of sounds it, like they parked him in a room. It does seem like that. You know? They definitely weren't the type that I thought that they were. I thought that they were, like, trying to be nice to him. Well, that one therapist, I will say, she... Sounds like a good one. Hopefully she don't work there no more because... Yeah. Well, like I said at the beginning, I was like, oh, it's they're trying to be nice. They're trying to show them a show that would be appropriate for a one-year-old because that's what the doctor said. But I don't... I don't think so. <laughs> and I'm not saying that every single person that worked there at the time no. was doing this stuff. But, like, I... Yeah. I don't know. That makes me sad. But... I and mean, you would also think, though, too, that he would be like, and that one really nice nurse, Kayla, or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like he called anyone out specifically to be like, they were so nice to me. Right. And they treated me like a person, you know? Yeah. That makes me sad. Again, it is PSA, really sad. if you don't want to work with people who need care, don't go in the field of caring for people. 
So, um, as time went on during this time at the care center and I guess, you know, at home too, Martin chose to watch things like plants sprouting and changes in the weather. He also learned how to note the change in time uh, as the brightness outside changes. He also noted how the shadows changed from across the room. Martin also would constantly have conversations with others and himself inside his head as well. Um, He would pretend to race the insects that were in the room crawling around. He said for the most part, he would just live in his imagination and stay oblivious to his surroundings. Martin said it took a massive amount of work, blood, sweat, and tears, but he is a completely different person than he was 13 years ago today of the time of this interview. Not this one, the one that was on the article. Yeah. Uh, He said that he is grateful for the small things in life, like having conversations with people and experiencing things for the first time. He wants everyone to know not to overlook what's possible. And as for the horrific acts that happened to him at the care center, his dad did try to take action when Martin was able to communicate what happened. But of course, the care center denied it, as most do. And since They said that there was no evidence to pursue a a criminal case. By the time Martin was 26, he was enrolled in college, like I'd mentioned earlier. He chose to study computer science, which he said he never would have imagined happening because he stopped his education at the age of 12 and had no memory of anything like math or the alphabet. He still went to the University of Hertfordshire, The school told him that he should write about why he wanted to study computer science, and then after he did, they offered him a place at their school. Though he was not even able to hold a pen at the time, he was able to apply for a scholarship from Google, and he was granted this, which helped pay for his schooling. Martin said he is a shy, quiet, reserved person, but he was able to make many friends at university. He said they were all geeks just like him. This new outpouring of friendship helped Martin grow tremendously, and also boosted his self-confidence, as this was a part he had missed out on for the last decade. He truly didn't have a friendship or relationship since he was 12. Though it was hard, he was able to graduate in July of 2013, which he said was one of the proudest days of his life. He got a job and even wrote a book about his life called Ghost Boy. In 2008, Martin met Joanna over Skype through his sister. They hit things off immediately and soon became inseparable via the web. And three months later, they were planning their wedding. They, yeah, they got married. Right. They got married in 2009. His wife, Joanna, said she knew his physical limitations would never limit their love because he was more alive than anyone she'd ever met. Today, Martin lives in England and is a web designer, and though doctors say Martin can never have a child of his own, him and Joanna, who is a social worker, are raising their son, Sebastian, who was born in December of 2018. Martin said, quote, never underestimate the power of the mind, the importance of love and faith, and never stop dreaming. Just treat everyone with kindness, dignity, compassion, and respect irrespective of what you think they understand or not, mm-hmm. end quote. I'm not sure if this is still in the works, but apparently there was talk of him possibly getting a movie about his life, and he did say he wanted Matt Damon to play him. 
Um, he also did a TED Talk, which you can find on YouTube. But yeah, so he's living his best life. He still is unable to verbally talk, but mm-hmm. his entire TED Talk, um, he was communicating through Yeah, uh, computer. AAC is really cool. Yeah. It's, like, absolutely life-changing. I think this story is a really good reminder about people have the potential to be able to hear or see or, you know, there's even been stories about people who say that they felt like they had, like, a bird's-eye view of the situation. Mm -hmm. And, like, there have been many people who've been in accidents who have heard their parents talking or who have heard the doctors and, like, they remember the doctors who came up to them and just, like, poked and prodded. But they also remember... The nurses who said, my name is Heather and I'm going to be taking care of you today and it's going to be cold, but I need to put my stethoscope on your chest so I can listen to your heartbeat. Like, you have to give people the respect, if you want to call it that, Mm -hmm. and like treat them as though they are a person because they are a person. Whether or not they can hear you, they are still a person. So even if they can't hear you, which in Martin's case he could, you should still treat them like you would a per- any other person that mm-hmm. you're taking care of. Yeah. And I know even like, you know, when people are on their deathbed, like they, they always say hearing is the last thing to go. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that for a fact is true. I was a caregiver for my grandmother and... You know, whenever she was, they call it actively dying. Like, she had, like, less than a week left. Like, she was in a coma, not eating, not opening her eyes, whatever. And everybody always says, hearing is the last thing to go. Hearing is the last thing to go. Obviously, never talked about her situation in front of her, no matter if she was awake or not. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, but... I can't talk. See, my mom's really good at crying. She is like, talking really good through at crying. That. Gina, that is your superpower. <laughs> um, so since I lived with her, like it was less than less than forty eight hours before she passed. It was just me and her, and like they always say, like oh, like you, they can hear you. So, and I'm a horrible singer. So, like <laughs> I literally, and I don't sing. Like I sing in the shower. That's it. I, like, sang, like, her favorite hymns, like, that my grandpa used to sing and all that stuff. And, like, she had been, like, completely, like, out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Not not reacting to anybody. But whenever I was singing, I was holding her hand. And, like, she squeezed my hand. And she had made no, like, no movements for days at that point. And, like, I'm sure she was probably squeezing my hand to be like, <laughs> Joe, like, you can't sing. You've never been able to sing. Please stop. No, that's not what she was saying. I know. Anyway, even though he wasn't an elderly person actively dying, like, I think that's why, like, caretaking is such, like, a like a sensitive topic for me just because, like, we didn't put any of my grandparents in a nursing home just because I've literally, like, the horror stories. And I'm not saying that everybody that works in a nursing home is, like, some evil, horrible person because I've met some of the nicest people that work in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, I... I know so many people, and even, like, in our town, like, they, it's a bunch of high schoolers, and they got it because they hire everyone, and they go through people so fast, and they literally just don't care about anybody, and it's like, okay, like, if you don't care, and I know, like, 
I don't, it, it looks like him and his mom like have a good relationship now. And I understand that everybody gets to that breaking point. It's hard being in that situation, mm-hmm. especially when it's not a job where you can just go home at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally get that. It's just the fact that she like said that in front of him. Ugh. Yeah. It breaks my heart. This whole case breaks my heart, but I'm so happy that he's able to find his voice through modern technology yeah. and... I'm glad that he found AAC, too. Yeah. Wow. Well, this case was really you talking about the case. Sorry. <laughs> Don't feel sorry. I didn't know how passionate you were about this, so I'm glad to learn something about you. Well, it wasn't, I mean, like, this case, but, like, obviously, like, caretaking is, like... No, that's what I mean. I didn't know, like, I obviously knew that you took care of your grandma and mm-hmm. your other grandma as well. I was there for that. <laughs> Yeah. But I didn't realize, like, how passionate you were, and I didn't know that you had that moment with your grandma. So. Yeah. It's cool for me to learn something about you. She was, uh, I was actually the first, the the last person that she said anything to. That's very special. I think if anybody deserved that, to have that moment, it was you. Thank you. It's hard for me to even fathom the living hell that Martin had to go through on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I just cannot, like, I can't wrap my head around it. I mean, like I said, hopefully his parents were good to him. Mm -hmm. And hopefully he had something to look forward to. Clearly his daycare center, whatever it was called, was not it. They were not good at taking care of him. Hopefully they're shut down by now. Oh, 100%. I hope that they are not able to take care of anybody ever again. But, and I know that his mom had that instance. And hopefully that was a one-time thing. I wish that she hadn't said it, obviously. Mm -hmm. But hopefully, in general, his family was good to him. I know you said he had siblings. It does suck that he didn't get to go on vacation. I, I feel like this whole thing is so hard. I wish that his parents treated him more like a person. Right. I also feel for them because the doctors told them that he was going to die on comfort care mm-hmm. years before. I'm, I, can't, I can't begin to understand their situation either. Mm-hmm. Do I wish that they had treated him differently? Yes. But there's also part of me who that feels like they were doing what they could with the information that they had. Yeah. My granny lived two years on hospice. She was supposed to literally die in two days and she made it two years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where you do feel relief when you get your life back. It's not that you wished that they would have died or anything like that. But it is like, and even, you know, I'm friends with some people who have terminally ill children mm-hmm. and it's like their life revolves around their kids mm-hmm. are they going to literally like go in a absolute spiral when their kid passes away yes but at the same time it's not what's the word it's not evil for them to sometimes think about life after their kid passes. i don't think so either right which is like so if it was just that where they were like, oh, you know, because I knew I, I totally get it. Like, you know, if you 
expect somebody to die in a week Mm -hmm. or something like that and then a decade goes by and you're still having to care for them fully Mm -hmm. like it is it is normal like I said it's not that you know anybody wants their loved one to die but it is normal to want some sense of relief yeah and I I understand that for Martin not being able to go on vacation was disappointing Mm -hmm. and he probably felt left out and he probably felt lonely but I also feel like people need a break Mm -hmm. and his parents full-time job not full-time job he went to that care center during the day but like when they were home they had to care for him all the time Mm -hmm. and I feel like everyone needs a break and to prevent burnout to prevent people from treating other people poorly like you do need time apart sometimes right so while I feel for him that would suck I also feel like it probably was beneficial for his family to get time to take a break. Right. And to relax and to recharge so that they could be present with him mm-hmm. in the future. So I feel like there's give and take in this situation as well. Yeah. And but of course. Good I'm- Lord. Being able to like think and see and hear and not be able to communicate at all. Like that would be awful. Well, I've, okay, so my biggest fear is that I know there's instances where you get put under for surgery and you're aware of everything happening. Really? But your body's paralyzed. I did not know that. It's very, I don't want to say it's very rare. I would hope it's very rare. Yeah, I had no idea. Circumstances with anesthesia. Um, That's terrifying because you can feel everything, but you're not able to vocalize or move or anything. Um. I that has always never been... heard of that. Oh, it's a real thing. I am so shocked. It's like a, it's painful. It's, you can painful? feel everything because you're okay, so. But feeling and feeling pain are two different things. Feeling pain. Oh gosh. And that's the thing because you can't. If you're having like local anesthetic, where it's just like, isn't local where they just they like put it in your skin wherever it is. Right, and if you can feel it, you can be like, hey, like that still hurts. Mm-hmm. But if you're under general. Yeah. And you can't talk. Mm -mm. That has always been a fear of mine. But like this. Yeah, that's really scary. I had never considered that because I did not know that that existed. (laughs) I'm just going to say, I don't know, but I assume it is very, very, very rare. Yeah, I would too. I wonder how they went from, you know, him having a little smirk to him. I think you said like moving his head a little bit. To then regaining upper body strength. Like, I'm shocked. I wonder if he had the smile because suddenly his ability had come back. Or if he had had the ability the whole time, but he was never, like, rehabbed. Does that make sense? See, I was gonna... That's why I thought this would be good for both of us. Because I know, like, physical therapy is, like, your whole thing. And I didn't know if maybe since he finally realized people could hear him, if it was, like, the motivation that gave him the strength to start. I can't imagine, though, because I feel like, I'm not him, but I feel like if I were trapped inside my body, I would be doing anything to try to make any sort of motion to anyone. Mm -hmm. Like, to his parents. He couldn't tell his parents about the crazy things that were happening to him, the people who were getting on top of him and Mm -hmm. touching him inappropriately. And he wanted to tell them so badly. I feel like that would be plenty motivation. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So, and it might be because they he did say that the first couple years he really truly was in a coma. Right. So then it, maybe it was that he was slowly regaining. Just slowly recuperating his abilities because, like you said, I know that there was a time where he really couldn't see or hear. Mm-hmm. And then he could see and hear. And then I wonder if, like, the smirk was just the ability was back. And so then he had the opportunity to do rehab. That's insane, And maybe he'd just never been given the tools either, you know? It could be that he was able to have some hand movements, but they never gave him anything to To try. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. We, God bless that, that Verna lady, though. Yes. I'm so glad that she was paying attention to him Mm -hmm. because like you said probably most days they put him in front of the tv and then walked away until it was time to feed him and then they shoved food down his throat yep so i'm glad that she actually sat with him and talked with him and made him laugh or and noticed him yeah and Mm -hmm. like really paid attention i think that's a game changer as well right we need more people like that in our system we do okay so i know that was a little bit of a different story i feel like the last couple ones have just been really, like, rough. So, not that this one isn't rough, but... No, I liked the story, This actually. one has a happy ending. Yeah. So. I think it, I think it's awesome that he was able to use AAC and get his story out there. And, like I said, I think it's a great reminder to all of us to treat people like people, mm-hmm. no matter what circumstances they're in. Yep. And I, I, I will have Heather link his um, website where you can purchase his book. It's, like, audiobook, all that stuff. If you want to read it directly from him. So with all that being said, that is the story of Martin Pistorius and his journey to being seen again or heard again. Yeah, I really liked that. Thank you for sharing that with us, Jill. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, And you can follow us on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. And we will see you back here next week with another episode. All right. Bye. Bye.